you're listening to the Otaku Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. And today's podcast is on two Ghibli films, The Wind Rises and The Tale of Princess Kaguya. And you have been listening to A Journey, A Dream of Flight by Jo Hisaishi. And again, that is from uh, the Wind Rises uh, soundtrack. If you can check that out on iTunes, it's actually available for download. Um, but again, yeah, we're going to do a review on The Wind Rises and The Tale of Princess Kaguya, which are both Ghibli films that recently released here on Blu-ray. So definitely check those out if you enjoy what you hear from us in this review. But yeah, we're from otakuspirit.com website. You can go there for our news and reviews and coverage of new and old anime, including new anime like the Ghibli films. We're going to kick things off with The Wind Rises, which is a film that was recently released here. It was done by Hayao Miyazaki. It was actually his send-off feature film if you actually believe that he retired (laughs) (laughs) right um and that is the japanese is uh kaze tashinu and that was released in japan july of 2013 it was released in uh, theaters in america in february of 2014 and of course the blu-ray was released last year in november 2014 um it is a fictional biopic of jiro hiro hori koshi who lived from 1903 to 1982. He was the original designer of the Mitsubishi A5M fighter craft that was used by the Empire of Japan during World War II. So for those who don't know, it actually does kind of have a historical connection there. But yeah, the story, again, follows Jiro. He is an aspiring boy who wants to become a... Because he, he has he's nearsighted, so even though he has desires to fly planes... He has desires to take flight kind of ish kind of stuff. He decides to instead to focus his attention on creating aircrafts. It becomes his dream and his his aspiration to create uh, aircrafts of some sort. And it kind of follows his life as he goes from a child learning as much as he can about was be aviation to aspire to be in aviation. Um, learns everything he can about it. He gets really kind of connected this particular aviator, Giovanni Caproni, and through his dreams, he kind of gets connected with uh, Giovanni, kind of pushes through his his studies in aviation to the point that he uh, eventually lands a job at uh, Mitsubishi to create the next aircrafts. At that point, it kind of turns from that to more him struggling with uh, the governments, what they're choosing to do with these uh, devices. Japan's kind of behind in the times of technology and inventive kind of things and pushing to aerospace kind of fields and that is kind of the the whole gist of the the story itself you're following him uh, the people that he meets the challenges that he faces the kind of political political aspects surrounding this current time frame which is pre-world war ii on into world war ii and kind of seeing the i guess the the biggest kind of theme I would kind of give the show is this kind of this mixture of aspect of the beauty that some people aspire the dreams that we just aspire to to go for the dreams that he has the beauty that he finds in things and the kind of the darkness that can kind of envelop those dreams is is really kind of the thing that I kind of gathered from it coming out of it Um, you can agree with me or disagree with me Um, I definitely seen the following the dreams thing I thought it was actually kind of light on the, 
although he definitely was depicted, I am not going to disagree with that. I thought it was actually fairly light for what it was actually trying to portray on that side of the the decorption of the beauty. Mm-hmm. I th- I thought it was kind of a theme throughout the whole thing. I I mean, it's it's no no uh, hidden thing that uh, my Hayao Miyazaki has kind of this. He's a pacifist. He 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 doesn't like the 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 darkness of war itself and that i kind of felt that was kind of his message that he wanted to leave with his final project with the wind rises um there was a lot of controversy behind it and that uh you know political comp- opponents in japan kind of didn't like those elements in this this show this idea of this this you know aerospace engineer kind of person trying to create this these crafts because he finds them beautiful. He finds the, the design of them beautiful, the aspect of flight being beautiful, but then constantly as he's producing these, these, uh, these plans for these aircrafts constantly, there's this coming of, Hey, we're not working on this anymore. The army wants us to build this, this, this bomber. And it, yeah, I guess I agree with you in the idea that it, it never really gets into the psyche of the character. He's never struggling with the aspect that he's creating these these bombing things. You really only see that really ele- uh, relevant in Giovanni, who is constantly in his dreams talking about, this is beautiful. Look at this big, beautiful thing that I want to create. And then there's these guys over here, and I'm, I'm building their aircraft. They're going to go you know, bomb this location. They're probably all going to burn. So there's a lot of moments. I, I agree with you that it, it, it was only really ele- relevant Whenever Giovanni was present, no, 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 oh, no, no, no. I, there was definitely several points in which it it was flat out uh, pointed out, like at the very beginning with the mom, and and he went and he protected somebody, and he got beat up, and the mom chewed him out and said, "Well, she didn't really chew him out. No, she didn't kinda, chew him out at all. She she kind of it was kind of a quick a quick. Uh, I didn't really find any. I was thinking about that moment. I didn't really find any relevance to that. It was it was kind of a confirmation of his, where he got his his pacifist nature. Well, he was he was already pacifist to begin with. It was just his nature itself. But yeah, I kind of agree with that. That would probably be his reason for really never shedding a tear it, in this show most of the time. Right. It was it was more of a, a where why is he that way? Well, it's because his mom passed it on to him, and so he. Although he protects other people, he does not, um, and she didn't get on to him about protecting somebody. She told him, you know, you should not fight. But I found it weird that he never really confirms that throughout the rest of the show. No, he didn't. I mean, yeah, I do agree with you. That was a really well, relevant there. There, there, there was, there, I, there was another point in which they were talking about one of the, one of the, well, his, his craft. And he specifically said, there's not enough weight in the, or there's, uh, this thing is already too heavy. So we can't have guns, and everybody laughed at yeah, it. Yeah, it seemed like a passing joke. Yeah, it was a it was a joke. It didn't really seem like a I'm standing firm on this kind of thing. No, I and and I don't. Nobody think challenged it was. him. Yeah, because they knew that that was just ridiculous. Because they're making it for the military. I mean, you're yeah. not going to get it out there without a gun on it. We'll find something. We'll we'll take the <laughs> cockpit chair out if we have to. <laughs> right. They can um, stand in the thing. If we need to be. <laughs> well, my 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 main point is there was those undertones there i'm not going to say that there's not uh i remember specifically one of one of the comments that he made was that uh he had a whole bunch of planes that went out but none of them ever came back well we all we all know 
we all know why the those planes never came back, but there was a scene where he it showed all the planes. But see, I'm pointing out only those scenes. I mean, you're talking about a two two and a half hour was it? About two hours, yeah. It was two hour two, movie, two and, and I'm I'm only pointing out little clips here and there. These this show was not, although it had those there, it never actually was blatant about it through the entire show. Is what no, I'm, it was really a case of when I watched throughout the entire movie, when I look back and I say, what did this movie have to tell me? That was the only thing I could pull out of it. Like, that was the only thing that I can see. Like, if if I watch the whole movie and I say, okay, what was the subtitle? I would say... That was the only was... thing that could say that was, was, was really the, there's beauty, find it, but then it can be corrupted. That was all I could, the only subtitle can come out of this movie with. I would, and I would... I, I can see that, but I would think more along the lines of follow your dream and find your happiness through the beauty in the li- in life. And and that and that that's really where I would I, look I, at it. I can see that to to extent. I don't I don't want to say this, but I keep thinking of it the entire time I was thinking about what to say about this movie. I see this movie as a Forrest Gump movie. It's one of those movies where you watch somebody from their childhood to their their to late adulthood. And see what they did with their life. Yeah. That was the only thing. I, and just like with Forrest Gump. Forrest Gump really had no yeah, uh, no subtitle to it. It was just life is like a box of chocolates. That's, that whole movie didn't really have a message at any point. It was just here's this person's life. And that's all I really got from The Wind Rises was here's, here's Zero's life. This is what he did. Yeah. There wasn't anything in particular that was like. And it was, I guess that's the fault that I want to hope people don't do the same as like what I did. When I when I look at the cover of this, I see romance. I see a picture of Jiro kissing this girl. I thought the whole movie was going to be them too. But it wasn't. It was like that was maybe not even a third of this entire movie. Maybe I, a quarter I, of this entire movie. It was really just about his life. I can kind of agree. I I she I thought she was it felt like that part of the story was probably the most important part. And it seemed like they didn't do much of it. Um, well, I, my I, opinion. but see, I, if I, I, the, the problem with me agreeing with you, because I do agree with you is it implies that I, I have the same faults with the show and I really don't. I thought that it was a very good show overall. Uh, the problem is, is that if I was to take it, and and if I could describe it in a weird way, because you know I try to do that and I I never do it right. I felt like I got pulled in pulled into the show, and then I just was on a plateau the entire show. Right. And then when the end happened, I was like, okay, wait, what happened? That's, I didn't. That's my problem. I, like, I, I didn't. Went, I didn't. Okay, what am I getting from this? Yeah, I didn't feel like I got any resolution. I felt like it should have just kept going, and it's like that. I I understand why they cut it off at the point they did. It was a bittersweet ending. Yeah, really it, was, it was. It was a very bittersweet ending, but it was one of those that it was like, wait, I'm not done. I I want more. I mean, it's it's a gorgeous movie. I mean, I I I I would hope you don't disagree with that. Oh yeah, it's definitely gorgeous. I mean, it's Ghibli. Nothing comes out of Ghibli that's not gorgeous. <laughs> but to get to that point, and it was like, um, I. I I I don't know what I'm I'm supposed to take from this. I 
yeah, it was a it was a movie about following your dreams and and finding the beauty in in what you want to see or what you want to do, uh, capturing that beauty and and bringing it to life. It, I thought it was a very very beautiful uh, and 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 plus knowing the this the quote unquote um, I guess uh, Miyazaki uh, finds some parallels with this guy in his life, and I think that that is uh, I can see where those things happen. Um, in what what Miyazaki does is he he wants wants to find beauty and then he wants to bring it to life and that's that I see that um, I thought that it was a really weird one of those weird things that was said at one point uh, I think it was Giovanni that had uh, pointed out that an artist or a engineer only has ten ten years in, Giovanni yeah he only and has ten years kind of says how do how do you fare with that ten years yeah and it's like that was a really odd thing for for them to for him to parallel with his life. I mean, does Miyazaki only really see ten years of his life as a true artist? I mean, is that what he's really trying to say? I it, that's that's an odd thing to say. But overall, I I thought it was a beautiful movie. I thought I thought it the the quote unquote romance, which it was it was weak but it was cute i it loved was cute it when it was there yes yeah i i really liked it i just it. felt like they, they didn't it was like that very begin there was a very first meet and then there was like this later part where um it kind of starts getting into it and it was kind of a bit jarring that it progressed the way that it did because it didn't feel like they really had that much time together but yet they were that devo- that dedicated to each other but when it started getting into it more deeper it was like okay i like this it, it's very cute um, I just, like I said, it was one of those things where I expected that to be a huge part of the show, and it was not much of it, especially when you have it on the cover. <laughs> well, it, and it's so funny because it, you sit there and you run, rummage it through your head a little bit, and it's like, how much time was truly dedicated to it? And it's like, it had to have been more, a, a, more than what we we it feels like. I I would I would guess it was probably half of the movie was dedicated to that because well, it, was, it was about it felt halfway. like that that part just got faster. Yeah, is what I think it, it was because there was more happening. I would say probably the first half of the movie was very was I want to say slow, but it is it is it's not it's not hugely captivating at the very beginning. I mean, I enjoyed it visually. I loved it. I was just kind of absorbing what was going on with this guy's life, and it wasn't until probably the last third of the show where it finally starts getting the more romance stuff, really starts getting into what him creating his dream. That was where, it, yeah, it starts getting really fast. But I, I do want to say it, it was about a third of it was when it started really. Getting well, and 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 at the same time, I, 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 I don't want to sound like it, it had any pacing issues because it didn't. I felt like it was constantly um, even all the way through. It just felt like there was more happening towards the end, although it wasn't a pace change because it still felt like it. It moved at a certain pace all the way through. I guess the problem it was it was a departure from what I'm used to with with Ghibli films is, like I said, it was a Forrest Gump kind of thing. It was this is this guy's life, and the the problem that I that I was kind of facing for myself was that whole entire first you know half or two thirds was there's no huge comedy. It's not comedy related. The main character, I actually really like the main character's voice. It's very different. Uh, he's not a entertaining kind of fellow. He's just a a very smart and very 
he know he knows what he wants to get and he goes at it kind of person. He was a grumpy he, guy. He wasn't. He's always grumpy. He hated <laughs> he everything. Looked, he looks grumpy. He <laughs> doesn't hate anything. It's just he kind of he's there. He's very polite though. And I guess it's, <laughs> I guess it's a case where you're expecting some kind of entertainment to be happening, or you're expecting goofy entertainment or action entertainment. Neither of those are there. So it's just really here's him doing what he's doing, and so that might be something that most pe- some people might find displeasing. It wasn't. I wasn't displeased by it. It was. It was entertaining. It just wasn't captivating. There was a few moments where they kind of dealt with the, the earthquake in Japan and all that kind of stuff was, or Tokyo. That stuff was interesting, but it wasn't hugely entertaining. And I guess that's the thing that I was kind of expecting there to be that huge entertaining thing. Go into it not expecting it to be hugely entertaining. Just go into expecting it's a beautiful movie. And this is this guy's story, kind of. This is his life. Deal with it, kind of thing. Don't ex- don't expect something out of the realms of possibility because it is technically trying to s- fictionally follow this this real person. So you're not going to get fantasy fairy tales or anything unless it's dealing with his dreams, which then you know things happen. There's a hatch <laughs> that goes through this wing. Don't expect it to be here. It's only a dream. <laughs> it's only, it's <laughs> like, because it's a dream. Like convenient because it's a dream. <laughs> um. I I I I loved it. I don't I, I can't say that it's amongst the top, but mm-hmm. it I did love it. Uh I think I loved it just because of how beautiful it was. I like I said it it was like I was just on a plateau the entire time. Um I I never any I and I feel weir- weird saying that because I the the main reason what I usually do in is if I feel like I'm fidgeting then that means that I'm not engaged. And I definitely felt fidgety on this show. He fidgets a lot during the podcast. That tells you something. <laughs> so it's 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 really hard for me to say that it, I was super engaged by this movie. So, but I I I really enjoyed every minute of this movie, and that's 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 one of those really weird things. It, I think it's like a light movie. It's like I felt like I could just enjoy it for what it was not necessarily be soaked into the show so it d- take that for what it is what i'm trying to say i i have i have a hard time saying it's a a great movie but at the same time i don't want to say it's a bad movie in any way shape or form i think it was very top notch it's very ghibli i i'm pretty much on the same point I, I thought it was a really good movie and i i was about the same mindset i think it was it is one of those things where i kind of just went along with it it was it was set at this one peak I'm enjoying it, enjoying it. Never, never dips to the point where I'm not enjoying it. It never peaks to the point. That I'm, there was a couple points where it was, it was very dramatic that it did peak for me. But most of the cases, it was just like you said, like plateau. You just keep going, never kind of dipping or going up. Um, I just, oh, there was at the very end. It didn't feel like when I look back at it, it had a certain message to tell me besides the idea that beauty being taken and used for, uh, you know, a, a typical thing for. A, a creator you're creating something that you have passion for and people want to use it for bad it's it's a typical thing it's what most inventors have to deal with is something that he has to deal with as well so it did have that kind of message there but still it was like i said before it, it just seemed like this is his story and that was really what it was all about uh there's also the aspect that i, I there was quite a couple times that i was definitely moved and i definitely was t- Pulled the tears in a couple spots, so keep that in mind. Yeah. 
Uh, one of the weird aspects of the movie is was the sound. I I don't I can't say that I'm displeased by the sound. Musical scores is usually oh, yeah. just amazing. I was gonna say was, you please don't don't bash the, the music. Sound, I thought it was great. It was the sound effects that were kind of weird. Sound to me. effects I could kind and of I, agree I'm with. Tr- I was trying to figure out what it was throughout the entire movie. It sounded like when it was the trains or the planes. For some reason, they were always they always sounded so cheesy. It was like it was obviously somebody was in the sound booth going, you know, with their lips for a plane. It was very obvious, and I I don't know if that was intentional or not. I would assume it's intentional because I don't see them goofing up something like that. The only thing I could really say that I want to believe what was going on was that they were trying to incorporate the idea because early on you see one of uh his Jiro's dreams and his dream was him in a plane flying around and at that point it was obviously a dream because they were making goofy sound effects but then when i realized later they were still kind of doing that goofy thing with the sound effects with the planes and trains that i was kind of starting to think that maybe it's kind of continuously doing that to kind of keep instilled in you that it's still his dream like he still sees this is his dream this plane's taking off it's his dream goofy mindset of of sound effects that's all i can think of i don't want to believe that they were intentionally goofy sounding sound effects well he definitely he was definitely one of those that um he they kind he they were kind of he kind of implied that the guy was constantly in his head was constantly in the clouds and no pun intended on that one because they were constantly he would he would make reference to the wind rises and then suddenly he would be he would just envision his plane and how it would, what would happen with the plane when it does this, 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 and this, and then suddenly the plane just falls apart. And then he's imagining this plane, and and the plane would do this, 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 and this, and then it would fall apart. And it's like the guy was constant. Talk about vivid imagination. This kid was all over the place with his imagination. What kind of lend to his character? Because his character just always looks like he is just lost. In what he's doing, he's he's focused on what he's doing. And they kind of make reference to it where like his boss is saying, you know, telling him to make a decision. He's just kind of lost in his paperwork, and the and the boss's boss is stand, sitting there, kind of no, just just let him let him be, kind of thing. He's he's working obviously, but yeah, it yeah like it, it just had a lot of really good moments in there. Just I, it, but it's in no way, shape, or form at any moment a mediocre or bad movie. It's just a good movie. So. But yeah, I agree with you. I don't think it's one of their best, but I don't expect them all to be insanely epic movies. And and I don't I when I step back and I realize it's this, it's this guy's life, his story in a fictional sense, I don't want them to be extravagant and crazy with, you know, though I was kind of wondering with like the earthquake and the noises it was making, I was like, is this going to start getting sci-fi-ish because <laughs> it sounds really weird. But of course, I don't know what it sounds like to have an earthquake able to move you know, shelves of, of, uh, landscape. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, like we've already mentioned the, well, we were sitting so. there, we were like, is that an earthquake or is that Hiroshima? No, this is before <laughs> World War II. It's gotta be before World War II. Uh, yeah, it was, I mean, visually with all those things was, was amazing. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was harking me back to like Rave of the Fireflies kind of stuff with the, the devastations and stuff with like the earthquake and, and the bombings and stuff like that, they just, they know how to make a world that looks like it's alive, everything is moving, and when there's devastation, it's just, it's apparent, just a very visually beautiful 
movie. Also, two tropes at least that we counted were broken in this show. Oh my gosh! I thought they were going to do the whole walk in on the the bathing in the spring thing, and it's like surely Miyazaki would not do that. Surely Miyazaki. <laughs> Miyazaki not is not at that level. And then the other one was the kiss, which I thought was absolutely that girl is absolutely gorgeous. I I have to say that she's she beautiful. She has she, blue, just putting that in there. She has blue hair. <laughs> they did have a Sundere sister. <laughs> the little sister was. He great. did take that trope in. <laughs> But aren't all sisters Sundere? Really? Aren't they all? But yeah, that's... Uh, sadly, that's Miyazaki's last film, so... So to speak, s- s- surely it is. Um, we're going to move on to the next one, which is uh, The Tale of Princess Kaguya. What I kind of wanted to point in here is... We originally watched The Tale of Princess Kaguya, and it wasn't until I watched like the, the commentary about it, the, the making of that I realized that The Wind Rises would probably be a good one for us to do along with it, because technically The Wind Rises and Princess Kaguya was done at the same exact time. Miyazaki was working on The Wind Rises, of course, and at the same time, his his buddy pal, what do you want to call it, uh, Asayo Takahita, Takahata was actually working on the, the Tale of Princess Kaguya in their alternate studios, so I kind of felt it fitting to put in here so yeah moving on to our review of the tale of princess kaguya or kaguya hime no monogatari and that is a film that was released in japan november 2013 which was shortly after the wind rises they were supposed to release side by side but unfortunately the tale of princess kaguya was put through a lot of delays it went to select theaters in america march 2014 and it was released on blu-ray and dvd in america february 2015 which is like last week so of this recording anyways. And this is based off of the tale of the bamboo cutter, for those who don't know. And again, it was directed by uh, Asayo Takahata. Why do I want to say Takahita? Takahata. Uh, His previous works, if you don't know already, his most known work was Grave of the Fireflies, which is kind of fitting that we were talking about Grave of the Fireflies earlier. This is his fifth film, and his first since My Neighbors, the Yamadas, which was released in 1999, I believe. So it's been some time since he's he's done this. Uh, the tale of Princess Kaguya follows a bamboo cutter. Now it doesn't really follow him, but at the beginning, as a bamboo cutter, <laughs> and his name is Akina. Akina uh, is while he's cutting bamboo out in the fields, he suddenly sees a glowing uh, light coming from one of the bamboos. He goes to check it out, and a sprout comes out of the ground, and it opens up, and inside is a very 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 small little girl. Uh, or actually it wasn't a little girl, it was kind of a fully grown looking girl, but she was the size of his thumb. And he believes that it is a gift from, or a message from the heavens. He picks up the, the little girl, takes her home, and when he gets home to his wife, his wife ends up taking him her out of his hands, and the baby suddenly has a huge, suddenly turns into a infant, and the infant starts growing at a rapid pace. So over time, being with this uh, this new family, the, the father and mother decide to raise the child as their own. That's why I call them father and mother. They're, they don't have any children. And as they raise them over time, the father kind of starts noticing that the bamboos are starting to give him gold nuggets out of their roots. And he believes those are also messages or gifts from the heavens. And he starts kind of hoarding that money. And similar also at the same time, Kaguya is still kind of, this, this little girl is still kind of growing at a rapid pace compared to those around her. She's kind of getting in with the 
the local kids, you know, exploring through the forest. And they kind of notice that she's weird because she's growing at a rapid pace. Over time, the father kind of believes that the heavens want something more for this girl that they call her princess. They, they think that she's a, a princess from the heavens. And so he goes off and he decides to build her a mansion, of, you know, amongst the nobles and believes that she needs to have a princess life. So eventually, at some point, she's taken from her home out in the, in the mountains to this life of nobility as an actual princess. And that's kind of the gist of the story. It is, it is again, based off of this the bamboo color tale, which was, I think, something way back in the uh, the earliest dates of tales, it's, it's, folklore. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's just like I had like a date our... here, and I've lost it. <clears throat> oh, there was a date? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I probably. I thought it. I thought it was. It was similar to our, uh, like our uh, folk tales. It's just one of those that you just grow up with. It. It's part of your history type thing. Yeah. Just like uh, the Momo. The Momo. Uh, Don't say Momo Kyosorn. No, she (laughs) was actually. She was actually based on on the hero that uh, has the the pheasant, the dog, and the. The monkey that follows him around, and he goes and kills uh, ogres or oni. Yes, yeah, so it's it's based off a 10th century uh, Japanese folktale. Yeah, um, and it, from what I understand, it pretty much covers the story pretty closely. I mean, it being a folktale and this being a full length movie, I think there's only really one section towards the end that actually is Takahata's own creation. He he decided to deviate for one section of the movie, but other than that, it pretty much follows the folktale. You know, it's it's it yeah it's an extended version of the story because right. I mean you're not getting in the folktale it probably didn't get into the nitty gritties of each interaction yeah it's just she 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 demanded the 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 crazy gifts she definitely was born of the of the bamboo the the gifts came from the bamboo um, they did move to the capital the the she was approached by the the royalty. I wasn't. It's one of those things. I'm not sure what all we can say without it. <laughs> it follows the story very closely. Um, I I don't know at what points he changed the story because everything sound seemed like it was very on on par with the story itself. Right. There was only one part that I know of that specifically is a deviation, which I I don't know if I'd want to get into without it being spoilerish territory. But it is it is a good it's a good folktale story. It has some really good concepts to it. I, I'm mixed on how it all kind of concluded, but like I said before, it's based off this folktale that is the way it is, and it wasn't meant to give you happy, good feelings. So I guess that's where I'm kind of tormented. Is like I do want them to stay true to the folktale, but at the same time, the folktale is screwed up. <laughs> so, <laughs> so where do I where do I fit in here? I don't know it's it's a it's a good story the only problem i really have with the the overall movie was that i felt that it almost it was almost that i felt most of the beginning half felt slow and i wasn't too interested in what was going on but it wasn't until i got to the second half that i was realizing she was probably better off with that first half go back kind of thing I almost thought it was going to be a story like that, but it didn't end up being exactly what I was f- expecting it to be because I've, I've never actually read into the tale of the bamboo cutter until after I watched this movie. 
and it's just one of those things where I'm kind of mixed on the movie overall. I I want to enjoy it for many other reasons, but for the story itself, it wasn't too engaging for half of the movie. The second half with the 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 courtships coming after her was entertaining, but that doesn't say much for the first half that I was completely not interested too much about it. And it's so funny because one of the things that I can say about this particular one is I was absolutely enthralled by the, with this movie. And it's funny because it, exactly like what I was saying with the first one, normally I would be fidgeting if, I, if I'm if i not engaged. I was absolutely enthralled. I was just soaked up in this. I wanted to see more of it. I, I And I absolutely got my payoff at the end. I thought it was a very moving ending and I absolutely loved it. I I think I was in full on tears at the end. I I just oh my gosh, talk about gorgeous. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing about this movie though is that I enjoy this movie for what they were doing. I it's it's I guess this is where I kind of chime in here, but uh, Takahata is he's one of those guys that just wants to do what he wants to do, and even if that means kind of breaking the mold. And it's something that's evident when you kind of look into how this this movie was created. When he made uh, the uh, the My Neighbors the Yamadas, he he created chaos within uh, Ghibli. When they were making that movie, he said, "I don't want to do cell animation anymore. Let's let's not do that." And they're like, "Well, this is what the studio is kind of built on. This is what we have the equipment for." He told them, "No, I don't want to do that. I want to do this." And it created chaos within the studio. And when they went to make the Spirited Away, they were just they were broken at that point because they had been learning how to do this whole system to do My Name is Yamada's. And when they came to him to kind of have him do this this other film, which is like fourteen years after, well, was it was shortly after, but it took him like seven years to make it or something like that. He told him again, "I don't want to do that." He did it completely different, and I and I want to respect this movie for that because. This is him doing his own thing. He's this is him following the vision that he wants to do. They they did pre-recording of the the performances of the voice acting. You just don't see that anymore. And they, they had him them pre-record the uh, the 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 acting and the voice acting, and then they animated to match that. And the even more spectacular thing about this is the way that they did it. I mean, if you, if you've seen anything on Princess Kaguya, it's just it just looks like a sketchbook constantly moving, and it looks gorgeous. They had them. They had the key animator or the key designers make the original frame for each scene, and then they had the animators come in and and do each frame by frame sketching from that. But the interesting thing is, usually they have a cleanup period right after that where they clean up all the sketches. And this one they didn't. They said, "Leave it in there. I want to leave all those 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 straying lines in there because it's it's kind of like uh, accepting that accepting that and allowing it to be where it's at. I mean it." I don't remember exactly how they kind of word it, but it's just kind of accepting that animation, and it just it turned into something that looks beautiful. They did water, water coloring for the backgrounds. It just everything about it just looks beautiful. And well, a while ago I was saying that uh, when we were talking about Barakamon, I said I would love to see a hand sketched movie, an entire movie that was just hand sketched, and this is it. And I can tell you, I love it. It was beautiful. I want to see more. I, I, I. Please, people that, that do animation, just 
this is what I want. Give me more of this. That was, that was what he said. He said, the sketch gives a feel of uh, something being incomplete. So the whole sketch look of it is his way of saying something is incomplete. It's it's caught in the moment before it, it flees, kind of, is his kind of perspective of it. And it was one of those things where I kind of, even though I came out of the movie going, this doesn't seem like it, it had what I wanted in it, and I was bored that full, first half of the movie, not to discredit how I enjoyed the second half a lot, but it wasn't until I came out and kind of realized exactly what was involved in this movie that I began to began to respect it as a piece of art. Maybe I didn't respect it for the message it was giving. I respected it for the fact that it was a piece of art. And I the one of the other funny things they kind of point out was that and this is might be silly for some people, but they they have this moment where her uh, Kaguya's kind of the call calls him his brother. It's uh, Sutemaru, he cuts open this uh, vegetable so they can eat it. And it bothered him how it was cut open because he felt that he let people down with Grave of the Fireflies when they had the scene where he cut open the watermelon. So they actually had a guy come in and cut open a melon just to make sure it was perfect how they cut it open. And it's just like those little details that are just in Ghibli Studio. It's those, those moments that you realize how much they have a passion of it when they just get caught up in stuff like that. And I just feel like I'm bashing this movie, but... Like I said, I just don't feel that first... I mean, it had a purpose. Don't don't get me wrong. The first half had a, its purpose. It just didn't feel like I was enjoying the story until the second half when it starts really getting into uh, the quote-unquote Princess Kaguya and what she has to go through and how that concludes was was really well done, even though it really was a not a happy ending, in my opinion. You just like the cat uh, attendant. That attendant was really awesome. <laughs> and it, it really didn't... It had an interesting element of its style as well. I know that Chris was kind of pointing out that he didn't like the character arts on certain characters, but I kind of felt that a lot of the characters were embodying the original uh, Telebamboo artwork that i mean they had this the lady i call her lady trainer she was like the the lady that was hired to train kaguya to act like a a lady or a princess her name was sagami and she was she looked like she was cut straight out of one of these really old uh folk tales and she had that really long looking almost like a like a spirit out of (laughs) of spirited away look to her with the white I, face and everything. I, I think that that's... That, that... The way... It's misleading to impli- imply that I didn't like artwork. Because I did like it. I What it was, was it's more along the lines of... Some characters looked really, really odd. And other ones... And I understand what you're saying. And I don't... I appreciate it for that. I just... It's not a... St- accepting this artwork for the show, the movie itself. I love this movie. I love all of the artwork in this movie. I think that I could just, it's eye candy from end to end, but some of the characters, it was, it's more like I'm looking at them and I'm like, wow, do I have never seen a person who has a, an eggplant face, which is really kind of what I, the, the only way I could describe it is just, 
the cheeks are really elongated out weird. And then there's kind of a, 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 a really ch- chunked in, in, in for his eye, his temples. And then all of a sudden the top of his head is like a mushroom. And it's like, that doesn't look natural. And I appreciate that they, they were trying to match the artwork in those sc- wall scrolls or scrolls that they have. And so I'm not, I'm not going to argue that point. It's just, but the movie itself, I love it. Beautiful all the way through from end to end. So if I have to accept the goofy, weird looking artwork for, to appreciate the movie as a whole, I will. And that's why I didn't really bring that up in the, in when we were discussing it. Don't, that's why I didn't bring that up as a point. Oh, because you because kind of accepted it later. I I accept it for as because of what it is. I accept it. I yeah. The reason why I brought that up was because it was one of those things that I I mixed on the characters themselves, their per- personal artwork. But I I appreciate well, it. Was, it, it was for odd that it just seemed like a, a lot of it was matching that weird art style of maybe something that's more. Uh, way old art styles, but at the same time, Kaguya herself was more modern looking. So it was almost like they decided to make her look more modern and more appealing just to make you accept her as a character, even though everything around her looks really old fashioned, artistic kind mm-hmm. of look to them. Um, so I, I kind of, it's sad to know that they'll, they'll make an exception on her just to make her more appealing, but it is what it is kind of thing. I, I, I do agree. I think she was a very beautiful character and she was serving the purpose that she was supposed to serve. She was supposed to be a very beautiful and very, uh, attractive and, and just a gem that these, these, you know, noble men and, and, and this, uh, King would eventually, or emperor would, would eventually want. So, I mean, it, it had to serve its purpose. Um, but I can't say enough that this, this entire movie was absolutely beautiful and the stuff that they did with it was beautiful and the that is the choice to go out from the norm and create something that you have never seen before and take it to the extent they took it is something that has to be noted even if you don't like the story even if you don't care for the characters even if you don't care about anything in this movie you have to still accept it for the fact that it is a beautiful work of art that they decided to put together and break from the molds and say whatever to all the naysayers, we're going to do this, even yeah. if it means that we're going to postpone it for, you know, like a year or whatever they postpone it for. It is just a very beautiful, beautiful show. That that was definitely one of those good things come to those who wait. I, I, I definitely no. I wish I had gotten this a long time ago, but Oh, it was so worth the wait. This was such a beautiful movie. Talk about eye candy. Yeah, much, 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 much eye candy. I had some other notes here. I think we've pretty much hit most of it without the spoiler parts of it. Um, I would like to jump into a spoiler part because I do want to kind of discuss some of the aspects that were, we can't really discuss that are kind of added to this that I felt was kind of interesting. I I, I guess coming out of it, it was just a, it was a very bittersweet movie. And just has a really beautiful aesthetic to it, and that I think definitely should be seen by everybody. We got what's your last thoughts on it? Pretty much everything we've hit on so far, just repeated. Yeah, 
I think it was a. I personally thought it was a good a good story in, in involving that. I thought her her inner struggle. I thought that that was really well told. So yeah, I I I loved it through and through. I thought it was a great movie. I'm 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 seriously considering you know hijacking it and keeping it in my room. It it was definitely one of the stories that I kind of felt. Like I said before, I think it was a, a lot of the times you're kind of going for somebody that has not read into anything about the the tell the bamboo cutter. It's one of those things where when you're watching, it, you're constantly going, "Well, this is the obviously obvious choice for remedying the situation. Why doesn't this happen?" And it kind of keeps pushing it off into this cliff, and you're kind of like, "I see the cliff there. Why aren't they choosing to take this direction, which is obviously the direction of happiness?" And they don't really do that, and I think that's kind of for purpose, for one, keeping to the, the tail of Bamboo Cutter, but for also the purpose of just kind of, it it's, it's not your story, and this is what the story that, they're, that, that has to be, and this is the bittersweet story that you're going to get kind of thing, and I appreciate it for that. It's just, I, I keep sounding like I'm I'm being bashing on this movie <laughs> it's just one of those things where I, I still appreciate everything about it so i should probably stop talking because obviously <laughs> when i talk i bash things just say it was a good movie it was a great movie and i think everybody should definitely check it out even if like i said before just for the artistic aspect of it is just a feat that i think you'll never ever see again unless somebody you know bootlegs it and copies it and, and puts a different character's face on the characters and sells it just say you like the movie. Good. <laughs> All right. Uh, that is it for our review of The Print Tale of Princess Kaguya and, of course, The Wind Rises as earlier. We'll have a little short little bit after the, the outro music to kind of talk a little bit about a couple things that I kind of want to touch on. But, yeah, we hope you all enjoyed. Uh, our outro is When I Remember This Life by Kazumi Nikaido, who is the actually the some of the hired just to do the outro song for uh, the tale of Prince of Kaguya and I thought it was actually a pretty beautiful song so we hope you all enjoy that and we'll talk to you all later y'all take care Os. back and again this is going to be a little bit of spoiler territory for the tell princess kaguya i mean it's not really huge spoiler if you've known anything about the bam tell bamboo cutter but it kind of is spoiler in that it's what's included in the movie itself but yeah the the kind of interesting thing that i got from the the 
the commentary for the Tale of Princess Kaguya was what was added to it. So we all know that it, it this, the original story is this bamboo cutter gets the the princess the, and raises the princess, gets the money, makes the mansion, makes her nobility. The courtship comes to try to you know claim her as their wife's wife, and she declines all of them, tells them to do these crazy things. There was some kind of changes to uh, what exactly she tells them to get. There was a few little changes there. Yeah, that that's true. And there is some some slight differences in what exactly happens to the one that dies. Some say that he just gets severely injured. Some claims that he actually died. And then, of course, she does. I think what the, the way they kind of put it was that, and this is where it kind of gets interesting. the The emperor tries to claim her, but of course, she declines him. But she doesn't she's not cold to him in the stories that I'm reading. It was more that she just tells him, "No, I'm not of this land, so I cannot be your one of your 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 courts cuz I'm not of this land. It would not be proper." She kind of it doesn't really imply that she's just kind of disgusted by him, "Leave me alone. I don't want this kind of thing." And it wasn't until like it it also doesn't quite put it that her cries out when he embraces her is what caused him to come take her back to the moon it was more that she was depressed after this point and was constantly crying out and that they eventually came for that reason but the interesting aspect is and of course after that she 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 goes off to the moon and she she had done and the other interesting is, is she they in the stories that i'm reading of the bamboo cutter she sends a note of apology to the emperor and Included with that note of apology, she includes a vial of the essence of life or something like that, which would grant him immortality. He chooses not to take the vial, even though it would grant him immortality, because he he claims that he could not live for an eternity and, you know, live on without her. And I thought it was kind of interesting that they never kind of hinted on any of that in the actual movie. Uh, the added segment, of course, you you were missing something here. Yeah. The added segment is Princess Kaguya going back home and meeting up with her quote unquote brother, uh, Sutemaru. And that was kind of the interesting aspect in there. Apparently, according to Takahata, he, of course, translates this entire story of the bamboo cutter as when she arrives, that's birth, and when she leaves back to the moon, that's, uh, that symbolizes death. And he felt that that story was too sad. So he decided that he wanted to add an element to it to kind of produce hope in this entire story. And that was really in him going back to her. There was that moment of, I would have probably been happier if I would have been with you. And then there's this whole moment where they run off together and they fly through the air. They have the embrace. All of this stuff is a symbolism of hope and joy that wasn't really rele- wasn't really present in the original that's true. story. So he chose he felt that it was it would be too depressing of a story to have this story about just she cuz he kind of points it out that the story was really a a case where she she went on to the point where she wanted to leave and that was that moment of regret that she has at the very end of realizing oh this was I do want to be here. It was a, it was a moment of bitterness because she realized, oh, I do want to be here. I'm going to leave my parents. I don't want to leave my parents, kind of thing. 
so he wanted to inject this idea of her going back and realizing this alternate life that she could have had and just for a brief moment kind of enjoying that moment with with Satamaru and that was that whole period where they kind of fly off and they're they're together for a brief moment the kind of interesting thing also in that when I was watching the commentary was that he was really struggling with how he wanted to portray that moment with with Satamaru and it was the struggle that he was having was kind of how he wanted to conclude it and he did a lot of changes to it like he wanted to make sure that w- originally when they were running before they jumped it was shot from the side and they made sure that they changed the shot so where you could see their faces and how much joy they had um and then there was this moment where they had the whole flying sequence and he chose to have them embrace and it was like a really big thing for him to decide to do and it was interesting because they showed the storyboard where he wrote this embrace and he said specifically that they embrace and he says it's not a word that i've ever written my 70 uh in 77 77 years it's like this is the first time he's written the idea of two characters embracing it was like as it was just a word that was fitting to hear that he's never had the desire to use before and i was like that's actually kind of interesting <laughs> interesting way to kind of to end note it but yeah that's 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 pretty much really the only thing i really wanted to kind of come into the spoiler segment of because yes it's based off of this really old folktale but at the same time not many people have really read that folktale so we don't really want to get too much into exactly what happens and how it concludes um and i'm probably gonna have to do a lot of it size you think so Yes, <laughs> I I I went I went and looked up that that thing, and actually, it sounds like the five uh, the five guys are actually asking for the five things that were included in the in the movie. The one that I have here, let me see here if I can find it really quickly. It was uh, the first was told to bring her a stone begging bowl from Buddha. That was one. Yeah. Uh, second, a jeweled branch from the island of... Yeah, that was one. And the third was a legendary robe with fire rat. Yes. Mm-hmm. The fourth was a colored jewel from the dragon's neck. Yes. Mm-hmm. And the final was a prince... Uh, final prince, the Kauri that was born from the swallows. So, yeah, I guess... I guess they kind of... What they call it? It wasn't called a Kauri. It was well, a... It was a, called it a shell? A Kauri laid by a sparrow. Okay. So, yeah, I guess they were... They were Similar on that. Mm-hmm. So it was really it was only really that ending that was really different, or that that mo- that brief moment was the only difference. Yeah. Yeah. I but like I guess I did. They did kind of had. They did kind of point out that they were different in how that last prince. Some claim that he didn't die. So, who knows? Anyhow, we hope you enjoy that little itty bitty snippet of of extra. Um, I have a spoiler outro. Let me see what I can find here. Mountain Hamlet by Joe Hisaishi. We'll go with that one. Sounds like a plan. Well, we all hope you enjoyed this episode and our little extra spoiler bit for all those that have actually watched it. But we thank you all for listening. You all have a wonderful day and y'all take care. Ose. <laughs>